Hey everyone, my name is Stacy, as you all know me. Welcome to Fringe with Benefits podcast, episode 84, still doing the thing. I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. You know, you know the thing. All right, we're going to dive right into this with Stacy Socials. Did you guys hear that Julian Sands, a famous actor, went missing in Southern California a few weeks back? Well, he's still missing, okay? And if you listen to the show, you follow Missing 411 or you've heard me talk about this and the strange occurrences of people going missing when they're hiking out in the wilderness. So let's get into this. California authorities are during the search for Julian Sands. They have cut off the ground search. They've been searching via air only now. The air ops has been brought in to assist the search using a device that can detect reflective material and in some cases credit cards, which is wild technology I never heard of before now. Julian Sands' brother said that he knows in his heart that his brother is no longer alive, which is really sad. He was reported missing on January 13th. The family released last known images of him when he was mountaineering. So a personal story, when I was in my philosophy class back in 2007, 2008, my philosophy instructor used to be mountaineering buddies with Julian Sands. And I know this because I was a huge fan of Julian Sands when I was younger. I had a huge crush on him from that movie, Warlock, and then that movie, Boxing Helena, about the guy who takes that girl and cuts her arms and legs off and keeps her in a box underneath his bed. You have to check it out. It's wild. But he was a very well-experienced mountaineer hiker who had summited several mountains. So he he knows what he's doing. He's in great shape. So what's really weird is that he just basically vanished. He went out for a hike, hasn't been back. The article that I'm pulling from, from The Independent, had this weird little blurb in it, okay, that the climate crisis might be behind a string of California hiker tragedies. Joshua Marcus says, is climate change to blame? Extreme winter weather is becoming more common in the Golden State, Josh Marcus reports. As conditions on Mount Baldy, which is where Julian Sands went missing, and it was a place that I used to hang out with, hang out in a lot when I was a kid. He goes on to say, where rescuers are searching for Julian Sands are adverse and extremely dangerous and are not favorable. Due to high winds, the snow has turned to ice, making hiking extremely dangerous. Sheriff's search and rescue efforts are often hampered by poor weather along with dangerous avalanche conditions. Recent storms brought snow and ice conditions not favorable for hikers, even with those that feel they have a high level of experience. Hmm. Not only is climate change the cause of sudden deaths, but it's also a cause for people to go missing more likely. Just fucking wild. (laughs) Um, Next, I wanted to talk about this company. I don't know. Slant, S-L-N-T. It's a company that produces these Faraday bags and EMF radiation. Of course, I'm not being paid to promote this product, but I wanted to talk a little little bit about electromagnetic frequencies and why it's a concern. Okay, so 
bear with me. I know this is Stacy Socials. It's supposed to be fun. I'm supposed to be updating you on weird news, but this kind of is weird news. The fact that we're surrounded by electromagnetic frequencies, and I don't think people realize how dangerous and um, how much it can adversely affect our health. The medical and scientific community debates over how dangerous electromagnetic radiation is. For example, some medical professionals say that high EMF levels increase cancer. Well, there are studies out there that state, yes, brain tumors are more likely if you're using a cell phone next to your head, and that's why there's a disclaimer to use wireless technology, even though you still get some EMFs, it's less. And there are precautions you can take to minimize your exposure, like um, using grounding devices, you can even make some homemade ones. So what are EMFs? Well, they are electric and magnetic fields, areas of energy referred to as radiation. As we all know, electricity is the flow of electrons through a conductor, such as a wire, and that will produce EMFs. EMFs combine the two energy fields, electrical and magnetic. The forces electrons exert on each other as they travel through a wire creates an electric field. The motion of these electrically charged particles results in a magnetic field. There are two categories of EMFs based on frequency levels. You've got non-ionizing radiation and ionizing radiation. Ionizing radiation is emitted by high power devices such as x-ray machines, nuclear power plants, this is mostly associated with the health concerns because it can harm the body causing cancer and damage to the DNA. Non-ionizing radiation is emitted by low power devices such as cell phones, computers, televisions, Wi-Fi devices, you name it. Although these non-ionizing radiation EMFs have not been proven to cause health concerns, many people believe that they are harmful. So a list of things that can cause non-ionizing radiation. Cell phones, computers, microwaves, toasters, television, radio, Bluetooth devices, Wi-Fi routers, like I said before, smart meters, MRI machines, and power lines. And I don't know if anybody you know has maybe um, had a house next to those big transmission lines. A lot of people report that they, are, they get sick or they have cancer issues. Scientific agencies and researchers have conducted several studies on the effects of radiation on humans. And one study found that EMF radiation could increase the risk of glioma. That's a malignant brain cancer. They say that this study was not definitive and more research is needed. Another study found that EMF radiation could increase the risk of leukemia. The scientific community emphasizes inconclusive evidence and the need for continued research. Well, if there isn't a whole lot of research out there, that means that they're not getting funding to do that research. So you have to keep that in mind. A condition known as electromagnetic hypersensitivity, EHS, can cause people to experience various symptoms in response to exposure to EMFs. Some people say that this EMF re radiation causes symptoms including headaches, fatigue, dizziness, nausea, skin rashes, and that they experienced increased anxiety, depression, difficulty concentrating. And in more severe cases, people have developed theories connecting the radiation exposure to cancer, heart disease, and infertility. There's a growing collection of evidence suggesting that exposure to EMFs can adverse, have adverse effects and could disrupt the body's natural electrical systems, causing an imbalance 
in the production of free radicals, which causes cancer, and damaged DNA. So here are some of the pointers you can do. This should really be an inward survival school of magic, but we're just going to put it here in Stacy's socials because you're sitting on your social medias, you got that phone in your hand, you're being exposed to EMFs. Okay, so you can use a hands-free device, keeping your phone away from your head, maybe on speakerphone, that'll help. Maintain a distance from your cell phone when you're not using it, like don't put it in your bra, don't keep it in your pocket. We all do this occasionally, but it really isn't the best place for it to be. Place your phone in a different location than where you sleep. A lot of us probably keep the phone right next to us like I do. That's not a good idea. And spend little time as possible near appliances such as the refrigerator or the microwave. Unplug appliances when not in use. Keep your distance from sources such as power lines, cell towers, microwave ovens. Creating barriers between you and other sources of EMF radiation using EMF blocking materials and products. Store devices in EMF blocking products during mealtimes. And that's including um, the Faraday bags. And not only can it block the radiation from touching your body, it can actually block the signal so you can't be traced or tracked. Next is plan breaks from your electronic devices like your laptop, and these protection devices are becoming much more popular as people become more aware of the health, health risks. Some of these devices are designed to be placed near the electronic devices. I've actually even seen some devices that you stick on your phone to kind of help ground it. I'm not really sure how the technology works. Some of them are meant to be worn on the body, like the Faraday bag, and these devices work, here it goes, by absorbing or deflecting the radiation away from the body. Awesome. Look into it. The company that I've been following, I really love their products. It's slnt.com. Go check them out if you're interested in protecting your health from all this wild technology we have going on. Next is um, MSNBC reporter blames myopericarditis diagnosis on her common cold. <laughs> this is nuts to me. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't understand how people can blame a heart condition on a cold. Where the fuck do they get their logic? It doesn't make sense. MSNBC anchor diagnosed with pericarditis and myocarditis spent nine days in the hospital is blaming her near-death experience on the common cold. Pericarditis occurs when fluid-filled sac around the heart becomes inflamed and myocarditis is when inflammation occurs in the heart muscle itself. Her name is Yasmin Vosahian. She returned to television after a few weeks absence and shared details about her health scare. This video was all over the place. 44 years old. She said she was running seven miles a day, did yoga, didn't smoke, vegetarian, drink in moderation, and was pretty like all around healthy person. But on December 20th, she began suffering chest pains, which became worse over the course of 10 days. Her husband took her to the emergency room where she was told she had reflux. She said, I didn't really buy it, but I was relieved it wasn't my heart. But 
her body was pretty certain to not believe the reflux. Next day, she woke up with pain in her chest and left shoulder and felt tightening when she took deep breaths. Her husband drove her to the ER, and that's where her journey has started to begin. We all know that this inflammation of the heart, pericarditis, as well as the myocarditis, is a known side effect of the mRNA shot. This is confirmed by the FDA and the CDC. But of course, (laughs) of course, she boasted back in 2021 that she had gotten it and she praised her husband for waiting eight hours in the cold for the vaccine. And then she hosted segments on the need for child vaccinations and children getting vaccinated without parental consent. But she says that her pericarditis was brought on by a virus, the cold, the common cold. Doctors drained fluid from her heart and she was released from the hospital after four days. But then three days later, she was hospitalized again, this time for myocarditis, which is also a well-known side effect for the, from the vax. And then she spent another five days in the hospital. This too, she blamed on the cold. She said it caused all the inflammation in and around her heart. She felt the need to bring on her own cardiologist, Dr. Greg Katz, to confirm, on TV, to confirm that the body can develop myopericarditis in response to the cold. This guy literally said that he's seeing pericarditis more this year than other years. He said it's not unheard of. It's rare, but not the rarest. You want to know what's rare, but not the rarest? it being caused by the vaccine. Huh? Weird. And then, of course, NBC writes on Twitter how, you know, her cold turned into myocarditis and how people should keep an eye out for those symptoms, too. Well, yeah, you should be keeping an eye out for those symptoms if you got the fucking shot, is what I think. Nuts. This week, we had James Power back on, and he makes a mention of the special forces. Now, there's this news source that's just wacky and off the wall. I don't know if their sources are legit. Some of the stuff they say is like, huh, really? Is that really happening? I don't believe the regular news nowadays, so I don't see why that there's not a likelihood here. So this is the story. Special Forces seized an enemy cloning laboratory near Fort Yukon, Alaska. They report that it held dozens of clones. So supposedly, Special Forces on December 22nd found and destroyed this concealed cloning center in the Missouri Ozarks that held replicas of, (laughs) which is wild, Joseph Biden, Chuck Schumer, Anthony Fauci. Evidence taken from the lab led special forces to a German-born cloning scientist living in Boston. That individual, whose name remains a mystery, was reportedly arrested and brought to a base for interrogation. Fort Yukon is located on the north bank of the Yukon River at its confluence with the Porcupine River, north of the Arctic Circle. Its climate is, of course, cold as hell, severe winters, mild summers, Inhabitants, 583, according to the last census. These are natives who live in log buildings. And I guess Fort Yukon has been disconnected from the Alaska roadways and is accessible only by air. 
how would you transport construction materials for some fancy cloning operation? Well, they would have had to use a large aircraft. The source says that the laboratory was 25 miles north of Fort Yukon, and then they sent a small team posing as National Geographic photographers studying the Aurora Borealis. Good cover. They used a, a native translator to get there, and their Sherpa said he would introduce them to an elder who would decide if they were worthy of hearing the local lore. When the special forces lead asked what determined the worthiness, the guide said, he will look at you and know, and that it's customary to bring a gift. Information itself is a gift, and since you're not carrying whale meat, I'm sure a few hundred dollars will do, and I'm guessing you didn't travel here without cash. That was, that was a direct quote from the guide. So the guide introduces the undercover special forces to the oldest living resident, an 89-year-old man named Tom Eriquas. His home was a little more than a 16 by 20 pitched roof built of logs and tar and heated by a wood stove with a single cooking plate. Sounds very quaint and cozy. The guide translated, but Eric was uh, encouraged him to speak English. So he seemed really nice. He, and he entrusted these special forces with the city's folklore. And so if he knew just by looking at them that they were worthy, wouldn't he have known that they were um, posing as undercover? Or maybe Special Forces was being upfront about their identity to the, the local elder. I, I don't know. This is something. Things going on in my head. So this is what he told Special Forces. In the summer of 2013, it was really warm that season. There were a ton of helicopters, some as thick as a cloud of mosquitoes, they said. Tow cables hanging from their fuselage held concrete and steel walls, I-beams, and enormous wooden crates. They came and went all day and all night, only pausing in the worst weather. I guess they said that the men from the helicopters desecrated the forest by falling sacred trees that stood for hundreds of years. The flights stopped when the snow began to fall, but the choppers returned the following spring. He said that the locals dared not venture into the area as it was deemed a den of evil. He recalled hearing roars as if the earth were being split. Two springs and two summers, the flights died off. Not No more helicopters. But some nights, the sky glowed blue. And it wasn't from the northern lights. Then he told them a tale that most people would think is crazy. No, we're all about crazy here. The spring of 2017, after the first thaw, a man who looked like and claimed to be Bill Clinton emerged from the woods on an ATV. He insisted that he was Bill Clinton, but he had no idea where he was. He said he escaped imprisonment and had to notify both his wife and Al Gore <laughs> that he was alive. These local people believed that an evil shape-shifting spirit had haunted Fort Yukon. In 2017, Clinton was 71. With a pitted face and skin like worn leather, the Clinton in Fort Yukon, though, looked significantly younger. He looked like he was in his presidency during the 90s. This Fort Yukon Clinton demanded an immediate flight to D.C., but was 
told the next scheduled supply drop, which would bring him to Fairbanks, wouldn't arrive for two days. Eric West told Special Forces Clinton got back onto the ATV and headed east towards the Northwest Territories. He said if it was a man, it would not survive. If it was spirit, it's somewhere else. Two 12-man Special Forces detachments arrived at Eelson Air Force Base in Fairbanks from where they were flown on Blackhawks to an LZ a few kilometers east of the alleged cloning lab. They were carrying heavy rucksacks, they had their Arctic gear on, and they walked a distance until reaching a vantage point that gave them an unhindered view of a 200 by 160 windowless building surrounded by a chain fence and half a dozen sentry armed with automatic rifles. They were dressed in black amid a white backdrop. The Sentinels made easy targets. Special Forces snipers shot them center mass, or get this, quote, made their heads explode in a pink mist, end quote. <laughs> when the sentries dispatched, they cut through the fence and breached the entrances with explosives, hurling flashbang grenades, and it shot dead a bunch of people in white lab coats, of course, another um, few centuries. Some rounds ricocheted and shattered cloning cylinders identical to those discovered in the Missouri Ozarks. Although the cylinders housed no clones of Clinton, they did contain clones of several famous people who had only recently risen to prominence, including... AOC, God, there's another one. Ilan Omar, that's another one we don't need another one of. And Corey Bush, I don't know who that is. Other maturation, maturation chambers held facsimiles of Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom. Republicans are included, including Will Bill Barr, General Michael Flynn, Supreme Court Justice John Roberts, and yes, Mitch McConnell. The source says we have control of it and are examining the technology. Needless to say, there are probably more of these places in the country and maybe abroad. I won't lie, we have our work cut out. They have been at this for a damn long time. End quote. Crazy story. Wild. And you guys won't be disappointed with James' interview because he's... Man... He's, you know, he's got a lot of information and it's wild, but life is wild. And what are the odds that some of this might be true? I think they're pretty good, guys. Frontline doctors put out a report that the Federal Aviation Association, I think that's right, the FAA were secretly increasing the acceptable range of EKG heart test results for pilots which means they watered down safety standards to avoid a pilot's shortage. This policy change was published in the October 2022 FAA Guide for Aviation Medical Examiners. With this change, the federal government admits that rushed vaccines have damaged the hearts of enough pilots to affect the entire airline industry. And additionally, there's um, some word that billionaires are requesting unvaccinated pilots to fly their private jets. Hmm. And then we've also got the vaccine mandate is being blamed for the mass flight cancellations, even though the media outlets are claiming that 
Severe weather storms are the cause of recent mass flight cancellations. But there's more to the story. Southwest Airlines came under heavy fire for calling off like over 5,000 flights for a couple of days, a few weeks back, and they were blaming the weather. But some are not accepting that explanation, especially since its competitors have reported canceling only about 2% of their flights due to weather. Southwest CEO Bob Jordan called on employees to get it together after the U.S. Department of Transportation warned it would be investigating the airline. They say that they're concerned by their unacceptable rate of cancellations and delays and reports of lack of prompt customer service. The department will examine whether cancellations were controllable or if Southwest is complying with its customer service plan. The flight blogger The Points Guy said Southwest pilots and flight attendants have been struggling with operational and staffing issues, and he writes, staffing and technology problems combine to send the carrier on a downward spiral. But others point to another possible cause, like the title says. Daily Caller editorial director Vince Kalianese says this is an airline that received $3 billion from American taxpayers in order to stay in business through the pandemic, and then in the end offered pilots buyouts as more and more pilots retired, creating the kind of shortages that led to this very tight travel crunch we are seeing now. The pilots themselves have been blaming mandatory COVID vaccines for the reasons that so many decided to retire. Trouble with recruitment to get pilots in. The government is concerned with these COVID vaccine mandates have created shortages in the military, which is feeding system to the commercial airline industry. They need military pilots to become commercial pilots, and this is happening less and less frequently. Last year, a group of pilots tried blocking Southwest from imposing a vaccine mandate on employees, but a judge ruled the airline was within its authority. While an appeals court recently tore down the vaccine mandate for federal contractors, including Southwest, some airlines continue to require it. For example, JetBlue would rather hire violent felons on probation than someone who refused the injection. Weird story about a doctor out of Michigan who went missing just days before Christmas. He was found dead. Dr. Bullock Pan hadn't been seen since leaving the hospital where he worked on December 22nd. Investigators gained access to his home surveillance system, and they were able to try to like narrow down where he might be. Saw him on video footage leaving the house on foot in the middle of the afternoon. Dogs and drones searched the area but turned up nothing. There was still one spot they hadn't checked, a frozen pond. Crews cut holes in the ice and the dive team plunged into the frigid water where they found his body. Investigators believe he died before anyone would have known he was missing. The medical examiner is going to perform an autopsy as well as toxicology testing. If anything else comes up from that, I will let you know. Very weird. Next is an Kind of a crazy story about another doctor. This one is Hong Kong-born Dr. Wilson Chin. He was interviewed back in January 22 that he was um, he was receiving abuse due to running a, a COVID vaccination clinic. He passed away right around the Christmas season. During the time he was on the news, he talked about The impact of false rumors spread on social media that two girls fainted after a treatment at the medical center in which they were given the vaccine. 
But he said that the time the episode was simply a fainting episode unrelated to the vaccine. Girls are fine. No ill health impacts after fainting, they report. This is when this medical center became a target of a campaign of abuse, forcing it to opt out of under 12 vaccination programs. And, and then there were calls and online threats to the police regarding this doctor. He said that the death threats and threats from those out there are not worth us jeopardizing the safety of our staff. The, the threats included such claims that the center was poisoning kids and they were kid killers and lots of abuse. I guess Dr. Chin had to stay at a friend's house because he was so concerned for his safety. And he said, oh, one of the other doctors said, this shows you how reckless anti-vaxxers can be. Facts, reason, and rationality don't matter, only their twisted agenda. But he passed away. Dr. Chin passed away. They'd said the cause was a medical issue and not mental health related. Next is kind of a comedic, kind of funny if death can be funny. Man was crushed to death by a hydraulic urinal while working on the device in London's West End. So I needed to know kind of what a hydraulic urinal was. Hydraulic pop-up urinals were brought into use by Westminster City Council about 20 years ago in an attempt to discourage street ur urination. So these things, these urinals come up out of the sidewalk. Look them up, they're nuts. This guy was performing regular maintenance on a pop-up urinal, and it fell over on him. A crane was brought to the scene to try to lift the device. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Maybe it started to go down when he was still standing in it. They don't give very many details, but it's awful. Awful freak accident. Probably the only person that I've ever heard of to be killed by a street urinal. That one was courtesy of Terry Miles, who's been on the show before, of Program Black. Next is uh, some interesting science. Scientists are saying that after death, you're aware that you've died. Some scientists are thinking that near-death experiences are caused by reduced blood flow coupled with abnormal electrical behavior inside of the brain. Director of Critical Care and Resuscitation Research at New York University School of Medicine, Dr. Sam Parnia, him and his colleagues have investigated how the brain dies. After our breathing and heartbeat stop, we remain conscious for about 2 to 20 seconds. 2 seconds. 1, 2. That's not that long, but 20 seconds is a long time. Dr. Parnia says that's how long the cerebral cortex is thought to last without oxygen. This is the thinking and decision-making part of the brain. It also is responsible for deciphering information gathered from our senses. He said brain waves from the cerebral cortex soon become undetectable after you lose your brainstem reflexes. But even so, it can take hours for our thinking organ to fully shut down. CPR can provide you with about 15% of the oxygen needed to perform normal brain, brain function, function. That's what it's meant for. But the longer you're doing CPR, those brain cell death pathways are still happening. They're just happening at a slower rate. Think about that for a second. You die. Everyone around you knows that your heart stopped beating and you're no longer breathing. But your mind is still going. 
some Twilight Zone shit if I ever heard it in my life. Okay, it's that part, part of the show, everybody, where I ask you to write the reviews, give me five stars, and uh, share the show. And follow me on all the socials. They're linked below. If you want to go into my Telegram group, there is an invite below. If you want to check out the Patreon, which I haven't touched in a long, long time, <laughs> go for it. And then go visit InwardSurvival.com. Be sure to sign up for the mailing list and follow me on Twitter and all, you know, all the socials. If you want some really cool, you know, screw the system threads, go to ForbiddenThreads.com. I'm sorry, ForbiddenClothes.com and use the discount code fringe we have a mailbag here this week we're going to talk about the wild man of Wenoochee. but if you want to send in your story send them to fringe with benefits at protonmail.com or if you'd like to be interviewed for the show i'm always looking for people with crazy stories please email me and i would be happy to have you on the show so the wild man of Wenoochee. He came from a respected family that homesteaded near the Satsup River in Washington State. His name was John Torno. He was born September 4th, 1880. Ever since he was a kid, he preferred to hang out in the wilderness opposed to the playground. And as he grew, he spent more time with the wild animals outdoors than he did with people. When he was 10 years old, his brother Ed killed his dog and John retaliated by killing Ed's dog. This is when John began to, st to shun people. He would go to the woods and vanish for weeks at a time. He would hunt only for food. He learned to track. His shooting skills were legendary, and he would only come home for brief visits with his parents, usually bringing wild game to them. By the time he was a teenager, Almost any animal would approach him unafraid, and his family had begun to think he was crazy. His brothers entered the logging business and would eventually own their own company. And John occasionally would work there as a logger, but more often than not, he would maintain his solitary ways in the wilderness, living off the land, dressing in animal skins and shoes made of bark. John just wanted to be left alone with nature. They said he stood six foot four, weighing nearly 250 pounds. And a lot of people thought he was pretty wild, but they felt that he was harmless. He rarely came out of the woods, and he would occasionally watch loggers as they were working. And one occasion, he was supposedly said to a logger that he would kill anyone who came after him, and that those were his woods. His brothers were convinced he was insane, and so they captured him and committed him to a sanitarium in 1909. However, the facility, located deep in the heart of the Oregon wilderness, was not able to contain him, and about a year later he escaped into the forest. He wasn't heard or seen for the next year or so, and he would begin to visit his sister, her husband, and their twin sons, John and Will Bauer. He refused to have anything to do with his brothers, never having forgiven them for committing him to the sanitarium after that. He was seen occasionally with tangled hair, a long beard, and ragged clothes. And legend began to grow as people described him as a giant gorilla-like man seen running through the forest. 
Loggers would tell that he appeared to be a large hairy beast and would seemingly appear out of nowhere and then again vanishing into the forest. In September 1911, John shot and killed a cow grazing in a clearing by his sister's cabin on the Olympic Peninsula. While he was dressing his kill, a bullet whizzed over his head and dropping his knife, he lifted his rifle and fired three times in the direction where the bullet had originated. When he went into the brush, he found his two 19-year-old twin nephews lying dead on the ground. As to why John and Will, the twin boys, shot at John Torno, it was suggested that the pair thought he was a bear feeding off of one of their herd. Some historians believe that the boys intentionally made John Torno their target, though the truth will always remain a mystery. John, no doubt, reasoned that someone was trying to capture or kill him, so he returned fire, and after seeing the bodies, he quickly fled the scene, disappearing into the deeply forested Winoochee Valley. This incident is to become the beginning of a legend that would grow large over the next several years and ultimately result in the death of this solitary mountain man. When the Bauer boys didn't return from home, when the Bauer boys did not return home, their family contacted Chehalis County, which would soon become Grace Harbor County, Deputy Sheriff John McKenzie. Deputy rounded up a group of more than 50 men to search for the brothers who soon returned with the two dead bodies. Both had been shot in the head and stripped of their weapons. Sheriff's deputy immediately announced that the shooting had to have been committed by John Torno, and a posse was rounded up to search for the wild man living in the forest. In no time, loggers and farmers making up the posse were roaming the Satsup area and lower regions of the Winucci Valley, weary of this large man, and they knew to have the intuition of an animal and the skills of a native. The posse was skittish, terrified of this wild man, and when one group heard sound in the brush, a shot rang out, killing a cow. Though the men were sure that Torno was nearby each time they heard the slightest noise in the woods, they never spotted him. The longer they searched and didn't find this man, tales grew more and more exaggerated, and soon the story is told of a cold-eyed giant constantly traversing the forest in search of prey, soon to be labeled as the Wild Man of Winucci, the Cougar Man and Mad Daniel Boone. With each telling, the story became larger and larger until the entire countryside was terrified. As stories spread into the adjacent camps of Aberdeen, Montesano, Elma, and Hoquam, no one felt safe with John Torno on the prowl. Women and children were warned to stay indoors, and the men oiled their hunting rifles and unleashed their dogs for protection. They continued to search into the winter, they were forced into the lowlands due to deep snow. John simply headed to higher terrain. Sometime later, the wild man broke into Jackson County grocery store, intending to help himself to a few provisions. He was also known to burglarize cabins and stores in order to get what he needed. But however, on this occasion, he found more than just a flour, salt, and matches, but also a strong box filled with 15,000. Well, in those days, the grocery store served as the town's bank. After that, Chehalis County offered a $1,000 reward for the return of the stolen money, and a number of men signed up for the hunting. Blasts of gunfire could be heard echoing in the forest, and February 20th, 1912, a gunshot happy hunter killed a 17-year-old boy, mistaking him from John. A few weeks later, a traveling prospector reported to the sheriff that he had spotted Torno at a camp in Oxbow. And together with the deputy game warden, Albert Elmer, the pair headed out, but only a cold campfire at the point where Torno had been spied. 
The money was buried somewhere close. The two began to look around. They were rewarded with two gold coins. They didn't find the strong box, though. Sometime later, Sheriff McKenzie and Warden Elmer went missing, and the reward increased to 2000 On March 16th, Deputy Sheriff A.L. Fitzgerald gathered up another posse to hunt for the ape-man in both Oxbow and the Chehalis County. Though they searched high and low for Torno, what they found instead were the bodies of Sheriff McKenzie and Albert Elmer. Both had been shot between the eyes and gutted with a knife. The searches continued, and John Torno was spied here and there. The mountain man continued to elude capture, and a month later, on April 16th, Deputy Giles Quimby, along with two other men by the names of Louis Blair and Charlie Lathrop, came upon a small shack made of bark. This crude cabin for sure belonged to Torno. Quimby wanted to head back for a posse, but the other two balked at having to share the bounty. So with guns ready, they approached the shack, and then a shot rang out, hitting Blair, who fell into the nearby bushes. Lathrop returned fire, but was immediately hit in the neck, killing him instantly. Quimby, left alone with the marksman, desperately trying to negotiate with him, telling him that all he wanted was a strong box and promising to let the wanted man go free. From his hiding place, John shouted, It's buried! Quimby continued to assert that he wanted nothing but the return of the money and would leave John alone. John was hesitant, and he wasn't sure that Quimby would keep his word. But the deputy assured him that he would let him go. Finally, he, John answered the deputy by stating, It's buried in oxbow by the boulder that looks like a fish's fin. Take it and leave me alone. Quimby didn't keep his word. He opened fire upon the foliage where John was hiding. No return shots were fired, and Quimby wasn't sure if he had hit the man or if Torno was playing dead. So Quimby scurried away through the woods. And then Quimby returned again with Sheriff Matthews and, a, and another posse, and they cautiously approached the trees where they suspected he was hiding, and he was found dead leaning against a tree. The men found $6.65 in silver coins on his body. Before Torno's body was even returned to Montesano, the word had already reached the town that the wild man had been killed and curious gawkers began lining the street in order to get a peek at this legendary mountain man. Deputy Sheriff Giles Quimby told newspaper reporters that John Torno had the most horrible face he ever saw, a shaggy beard and long hair, out of which gleamed two shining eyes, murderous eyes. He said he could only see his face as he uncovered himself to fire a shot, and all the hatred that could fire the soul of a human being was evident. This further fueled curiosity seekers' desire to see this wild man's face. In response, his fr brother Fred, who had traveled up from Portland, tried to prevent the body's public display. However, when some 250 gawkers stormed the tiny morgue demanding to see the body, the overwhelmed coroner allowed him inside. Before it was said and done, the crowd required dozens of deputy sheriffs to prevent nearly 700 citizens from tearing off bits of the dead man's clothing and removing locks of his hair. Fearing that those who were unable to view the body at the morgue would appear at the funeral, his service was held at a family homestead. Postcards were printed that featured a photo of John along with numerous newspaper articles screaming headlines calling Torno the great outlaw of, the, of western Washington. Of his brother's death, Fred Tornow would, when questioned by the press, say, I'm glad John is dead. It was the best way now that it's over, and I would rather see him killed outright than linger in a prison cell. The Oregonian newspaper noted at the time of Tornow's death that he had 1700 on deposit in Montesano Bank, owned real estate in Aberdeen, 
and was part owner of a timber claim in Chehalis. Giles Quimby was proclaimed a hero for finally killing the feared wild man of Winucci, so much that he received offers to appear on stage to tell his gruesome tale. He politely turned these down. When the fur of Torno's death had settled, Quimby went looking for a boulder that looked like a fish's fin and was delighted when he found it. However, his happiness was short-lived. As the search he might, he never found the strong box. Numerous other men followed in his footsteps, looking all over Oxbow, but the $15,000 treasure was never found. The money is thought to be buried on the Winucci River, where it turns into a large, horseshoe-shaped creek. However, a dam has since been built upstream, which may have caused a change in the river's flow. Torno said that he buried the cache near a fin-like rock. The hiding place is within the Olympic National Forest, which requires permission to hunt. Torno was buried in Matlock Cemetery in Grays Harbor, where his tombstone stands to today. Send me your mail, fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Three, two, one. We've got uh, James back on Fringe with Benefits. Thanks for coming back, James. You're one of my favorite people. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You are one of mine, too, for sure. <laughs> so James has got a lot of insight. Yeah, I can hear you. It's a little choppy, oh. but I think we're good. Oh, maybe that's... uh. They're working across the street here. <laughs> That's all right. Kind of, I'm in the damn city right now. Uh, anyways, <laughs> okay. okay. So tell us about this flyer about these chemtrails that um, that you've got. Like, where did it come from and what's on it? Well, um, years ago, uh, it's on here, actually. It was from the... Well, I, for years I was an art, I'm an artist. I, I did a lot of outside painting, you know, painting landscapes and stuff and all through, and I lived in Massachusetts and I was noticing that I never get a clear day, never get sunshine. It was always clouds. You know, it would start out, it would start out, um, you know, a nice day, but then by the end of the day, it was just all clouds. And that was pretty much every day when I lived in Massachusetts here in Fall River. And then, and when I moved, and you could tell even by my paintings, they're all, you know, every paintings are just all clouds. When I moved to Providence, Rhode Island, I started doing landscape paintings over here. And that's when I started seeing the lines, like mm. lines, just, you know, I mean, I saw them every day as I'm doing the, and one day, one day I was doing a, a riverscape painting and, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, three planes came over me real and pretty low and just spray jet streams across, you know, from horizon to horizon. And I was like, Oh, that's strange, you know? And then a couple minutes later, they came from the other horizon. Now, I don't know if it was the same planes or other planes, but three other planes came from the other horizon. So before I was even done with the painting, it, the whole sky was just like a check of, uh, like a net, yeah. a cloud, a, a net out of clouds and by the time i was totally done with it it was just all one big cloud you know it just all just a cloud so i imagine for those years when i lived in massachusetts because a lot of times the wind i don't know i noticed they spray in the west most of the time 
and it seems to travel east or whatever. I don't know. That's what I noticed. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So that's what really made me aware of that was just you know seeing it myself. And uh, and then one day, one night, I was listening to shortwave radio, and um, and some guy came on that wouldn't give his name, but he a uh, whistleblower guy. He said he was spraying. He was spraying for a couple of years or something like that. And they told, uh, yeah, he was, it was on from on the Lou Gentili show. That was back in like on the shortwave radio back in I think maybe two thousand or two thousand. Mm-hmm. You know. It was right after I moved here, and um, and he said that uh, they were spraying soybean oil. Um, they say, and when they when it's time to go spray, they would uh, his bosses or whatever would say, "Oh, go time to manage the sky," you know. It's a uh, you know, this is what he said, manage the sky. And um, uh, let me see what else I got. Yeah, so that's it. And um, and like I say, what what he's he thought they were telling him that. Uh, it was to stop the global warming, to stop the global warming. But as time went on, he was noticing uh, what it was doing actually to everything, you know, through the news or whatever he was noticing. And he has kids. He had. He said he had children and everything. So he just couldn't do it anymore um, because he figured out, you know, it was soybean oil. They were uh, spraying soybean oil. And if you notice in, in mayonnaise, that's the first ingredient all the time is soybean. Um, and it's just really bad. Uh, I mean, we're breathing this in. We're, you know, everything. Yeah. It's, give it's some in the people, water. Yeah. Give the people some insight on what's in soybean oil that could be really dangerous for us. Well, it's the it's something to do with, you can ask a regular doctor too. A regular doctor will tell you that uh, women shouldn't eat so much and men shouldn't eat so much soybean oil um, or soybean itself. And uh, because it just uh, messes with your hormones really bad. Um, That's just normal doctors will say that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's it. And, and what that's doing. So, so you've heard Alex Jones, Oh, turn the frogs gay. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So that's part of it. Cause it's doing that. It's actually, that's what it's doing. The first thing that, cause reptiles are the first thing that show anything, you know, any sort of environmental messing up or whatever. And so, you know, it's real. It's, it's yeah. turn, and I'm thinking, wow, they've been doing it since, you know, I don't know, before I recognized, you know, knew what it was. So that must've been an early eighties, nineties, probably nineties. They, they were doing it. You figure. Yeah. I was painting and I and I was when I was in school, I was in college over here. And when I was even painting there, I have paintings from college. There's no sun anywhere. There's no blue sky anywhere. You know, it's just all clouds. So that means they've been doing it since. Geez, when did I graduate? I graduated in 94, 94. I went to college after after I was in the Coast Guard. <laughs> I did everything opposite. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, uh, awesome. yeah, so you yeah. know, so um yeah, so yeah, so I don't know, it's it's crazy. And then so they they're killing like I don't know if you heard the expression killing more uh more than one bird with one stone or something. Call them killing three birds with one stone. So that's what they're doing there. It's actually um it's just messing with people's hormones i mean think about this i'm just wondering if this is actually turning all these people 
crazy with these transgender things and all this freaking, you know, I don't know. They're breathing this stuff in. I don't know. I don't know. Dude, but, I think uh, you're on to something. I think you're right because, um, well, they, you know, the, the weird um, agenda is to make everybody like gender neutral and the whole population control thing. They don't want people having babies. Yep, yep, yep. That's part of it. That's a big part of it. But see, yeah. I'm looking now on here. It says scientists say soybeans could change the world, you know, and yeah, it can change the world. Most polyurethane plastic plastic is made of petroleum, but probably, you know, they want to convert. They want everything to made out of soybean and everything. And then what? It, so they're spraying this stuff in the air, and it has these. Uh, they they've tested it before, and they've they you know they they found aluminum barium all this stuff all this all this stuff that's normally in pollution to begin with mm -hmm. all all the stuff they've ever tested is in pollution to begin with except for mold so that's what above me i know that's got to be the soybean oil rotting you know yeah. rotting in the air you know and yeah. uh, i mean there have been days with there have been days where I I have been outside and I've seen little like filaments floating through the air, little mm -hmm. like, and you touch them and they just melt in your hand, and they just melt in your hand, um, melt in your fingers. And I know it's not like from a mimosa tree or anything like that, because mimosa, you know, mimosa tree. That's what I thought it was at first. I'm like, no, but that wouldn't melt in your hand. A mimosa flower wouldn't melt. Gross. Um, yeah, and uh, so yeah, and then. The, then that because of all that and what it's doing is it's grabbing the pollution and bringing it all down to the earth so that's why a lot of the trees are dying i don't know if you heard of that they're drying dying everywhere um because of the acidic oil uh the acidic soil i'm sorry yeah and uh and the oceans are all heating up right mm -hmm. because the oil falls on the ocean and it acts like a magnifying glass you figure Mm -hmm. And then also less and less, less and less fresh water, um, because what's happening is all that pollution is going into fresh water, and in the water are these things you might have heard. You, you've heard of diet, diametaceous earth. Yeah. Diet diatoms. I actually just started doing it today. I started doing it to get rid of parasites in me. Um, I just started doing it, drinking a what a teaspoon teaspoon yeah. after uh, before every meal. That's I've been great. wanting to do it for, yeah. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, and I just, I just bought a big gigantic bag for cheap, cheap, and it's <laughs> the food grade. Yeah, food grade. I don't know if you can see it. It's like the food grade. It's nice, it's cheap. Um. So, anyways, yeah. So it, the diatoms, which usually clean up the the water, they eat pollution and all that stuff. They they eat. That's what they eat. Live on, and what's going on is it's. They're being inundated. They're being inundated mm -hmm. with uh, the soy, the, the all the pollution that's going down. So they're not doing their job. That's why you're getting less fresh water. That's why you're, uh, you know, less fresh water. Every since, geez, since uh, the nineties, they've yeah. been saying less fresh water. And uh, yeah, so that's the major thing is the diatoms that are just over inundated, you know. And that's a major big thing, I think. And I'm I'm just seeing what else I might have here. Oh, see, see on the on the front page here, I have Homer Simpson, and uh, you know, one because one day when I first found this all out, sure enough, there's a Homer Simpson cartoon or something, a home, you know, a Simpsons cartoon, 
and hit, there he is. He's, I, I was like, did I just see what I said? I saw, you know, and somehow I, I was able to catch it again. I found it. And he says, isn't it so nice how the pretty planes are always flying over the poor people? Oh, That's exactly God. what he said. Exactly what he said as the trails are going over his head, you know, and it's on a cartoon, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just wild. But they tell you everything with the, you know, uh, what's this? Uh, oh, the, oh, the, uh, the Navy, like I say, um, in 1998, uh, the Navy said uh, they'll have total control of the weather in four, in four years. And so that's what they're doing, too. When they see a rain front, so they're making it so it doesn't rain as much anymore. Um, and or that, or it's or it's just condensed rain, and it comes down heavily, and it doesn't get into the water tables that way. And how they're doing that is, when they know there's a waterfront coming, they'll go and they'll spray underneath those clouds, underneath it. And what happens is, the 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 moisture that's above, because oil and water don't mix, so they're going to separate, mm -hmm. and so it separates. And the, 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 the clouds stay above all the soybean oil and the radiation from the sun does something to that moisture, the radiation from the sun, and it'll never become water again. It'll never, it just totally loses, that'll never become water again. And so that's why they're, you know, they're, they're trying to, what's the best way to control people is water, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, they, they said this a long time ago. This is all like in, um, what do you call that? And like, they have this written out in places. I've read quite a bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got, oh, some reasons for, for spraying. Make us sicker quicker. Mold causes res respiratory problems. Barium and aluminum cross the brain barriers, causing mental problems, among other problems. Drying the atmosphere. Barium sucks up water. So barium, yes, I, I knew that. I forgot all that. But yeah, barium alone, but that's in pollution. They're not spraying barium. That's just in the pollution to begin with. Okay. Normally pollution, yeah, normally pollution would just kind of go into the the um, the um ocean. Uh -huh. It would go because of the, mag, you know, salt and water magnet. It's like, you know, there's something magnetic. I, I don't know any. I'm not a scientist, you know, but I know that's what it is. Most of the pollution in the whole air would always go into, and then the diatoms and such like that would take care of it, Clean but it, it's yeah. all inundated, and that's why you're getting this. You know, massive, I was, yeah, it's really bad. I was and, driving um, through Seattle uh, the other day uh, and there was a lot of rain and I noticed that the rain had changed and my windshield wipers were just smearing it. It was like an oil across yeah. my windshield yep and then once i got out of the city the rain went back to normal and i was able to see again it was the weirdest thing so that makes total sense right there yeah well one time i i i saw them spraying heavily one afternoon or whatever i said oh let me try this i got a bowl a, a big bowl and i filled it with water and i put it on my on my deck over here and i left it there till the next day and it goes to the next day and I looked at it and, and I, you kind of, you put your finger in it and it's like all oil. There's like a layer of oil on the top of it. It was totally disgusting. Know that your water is, you know, has that. And I don't know. And it was kind of dirty, spotty. You could see the pollution in it. Like it wasn't a clear oil either, you know? Yeah. That's gross. But yeah. It was, it's nasty. But, oh yeah. 
Yeah, Mo Moscow officials take credit. You know, years ago, and in here uh, uh, in USA Today, this was years ago too. They actually, you know, oh, new conspiracy theory sweeping the internet and radio. You know, um, talking about the chemtrails, and that was years ago. But now they actually say they're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you you know that they actually they admit it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're they're calling Anyways, it. That's, that's um, pretty much. Oh, I think we've got some delay. <laughs> hey, you know your camera's not on, right? Oh no, I don't know. Here, I'll I'll ask you to start your video. I don't know how to do that. Let's see. How do I? It... I don't. Oh, host me ask you to <laughs> wait. Wait, what's I screwed something up. The host says ask you to start video stop my video i don't know it's saying it's saying the host asked you to start your video oh there it is is that my video oh there <laughs> it is oh okay <laughs> i'm trying to figure this out i don't know how these things work wow it's getting it's warm again beautiful out here hey i'm, I'm trying to look now and see if they they're doing anything oh yeah they already they already they're doing it yeah they're doing it I can tell these clouds, there's this rain in the west, and you can see everything. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, see, this clouds are going that way, but the wind down here is going the opposite way. But you can tell that they're not. You know, what? when we grew up, what was there? There were like, what, six, six different clouds or something? Yeah. That cumulus, this, that, right? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were only a couple of, I remember. Yeah, now the 30 different clouds or something like that. 30 different, you know? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, it's, I just saw it the other day, not too long ago. They showed all the different kind of clouds formation. And they were like 30 something, maybe 40. I don't even know. But when I was a kid, I, I only remember... You only, I, I only remember like four or six. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, there, there was only a few. Cumulus clouds, but there weren't. I'm going to turn your video off. What's I that? think I'm going to turn your video off. It might help our bandwidth, okay? Your internet's funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. There now, okay. Now I think it'll be better. All set now. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I forgot what we were talking about at this point. But uh, yeah. See, I got an article here how the metal mist in the air worsens asthma. And man, I don't know if you know. I, I so many people I know are on that. You know, with yeah. asthma these days and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Real respiratory things, big time. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it's getting worse. Like, what, people what are fact? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, see, estrogen. That's what it is, the soybean oil. You know, that becomes like uh, pure estrogen. Yep. So that's not a, that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, we're asking the doctor, the soybean, you know, it's just really bad. Anyways. That's pretty much it. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I really talk about, but that's pretty much it. A population control, all the control, like not have babies. 
Gates. They want, you know, you know, geez, you have Bill Gates saying these things. You know, we got to bring the population down with vaccines and and all this and pollute or whatever. I forgot what else he said. You have a whole slew of things they're uh, they're plant they're doing, but. Yeah, so scientists scientists say soybeans could change the world. And what else? Oh, water. Water could be the key to war or peace. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I said, there's an article. I get all. I got all these. Yeah, I got all these things from the newspaper and from uh from like Science Magazine. A thing about the uh, oh, see, that's what it says on the top of the diatoms here. It says gas guzzlers. New research shows that microscopic diatoms reverse carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and may help keep the planet from over overheating so you see what's going on now they're saying oh the you know you got gore saying oh the oceans are boiling and mm-hmm. yeah um but they are they're warm you know, yeah that's why you get a lot more bacteria and everything yeah sure well anyways all right hey i can't wait to see you can't wait to see you on uh you know on the tube or whatever yeah, maybe you'll see you know, me sometime uh, soon. You never know. Um, hey, what was that? Well, that, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, go ahead. What, what was what was that thing about the clones in Alaska? The clone base, or oh, why well, can Jesus still on here? Oh no, I just no. I couldn't that find was, it. Oh, watch! I uh, I just saved it actually. I think. If I, oh, realrawnews.com. Okay realrawnews.com and there's a lot of things you don't hear about on that um yeah i mean i never put it this way everything that's on that i never hear anything that's on there in the news so i mean i'm i don't know <laughs> you know I, I i didn't really double research it or anything like that but I right know, I, I wouldn't put it past them they're saying they're saying it's the second time they they did this I, well, I believe it. They probably got bases all over, um, like manufacturing sites all over the place. This is something that we've been thinking about for a while that, you know, they get rid of people and they replace them oh. with a clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. They were saying, oh, oh, they got Schumer. They had they had clones of all these all these clowns like, oh, they had a couple of Republicans, too. They had a, they had a couple <laughs> of them. I forgot one. Not really, um, but uh, and there's other some other crazy art. Oh, what was another crazy article that was on there? I forget now. Oh, there was another. Oh, oh, the de. What is it? Uh, some head government guy. A little while ago, they um, they he admitted to like screwing up with the with the eggs and stuff like that saying that the avian flu and all this stuff yeah to bring the prices to so you know get rid of the eggs well he admitted to everything and he just got hung they hung him in guantanamo guantanamo bay um it's on it's on that it says it on that real news there's an article on that in there i did see um, that one yeah on real yeah 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 it's crazy let's see um, nec director um hung Man, I'm going to have to get into this. Hung at Gitmo, Brian Deese, National Economic mm. Council, Brian Deese. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. it really is. I've been missing it. Yeah, I've been missing your shows. I've been missing them. Well, I put a couple <laughs> new ones up. When? Yeah, I put one up last week, I think, 
or no monday what oh, a new one got, came up i got the pain no gain that's the last one i think i i heard there's another one it's um actively mating seal penis is what it's called <laughs> oh i didn't know i don't know i i just i always i even have it here i have it on the i was looking oh yeah 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 yeah. i see it i see it i see it i didn't see that one yeah okay that one's I new. Just looking, <laughs> I, yeah 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 actively <laughs> <laughs> that's cool i love seals i remember when i was in uh what the heck is that place over there there were seals all over the damn deck all over the uh the, the boat docks uh, over there. I forgot where it is. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, you weren't supposed to touch the seals, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Did you hard. touch one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody started screaming at me and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hell, I never had a chance to do that. I don't care if you don't like me. <laughs> well, yeah, they were cool. They were just laying there. They weren't doing anything. <laughs> That's funny. But that's funny yeah i do everything i'm not do everything i'm not supposed to yeah but uh yeah here. so i'm just trying to see if, uh, uh everyone stonewalls this thing yeah no uh like i said all this stuff that i i used to give this pamphlet out when i used to do that song called lines uh and you know years ago probably back in probably like geez less than 20 years now 15 years you figure something like that i stopped uh playing the punk music yeah um yeah stop playing punk music but anyways yeah no that's pretty much it i think we, we got through the whole cool everything that, yeah cool. i think so um yeah. i'm gonna probably talk about that uh brian niece maybe on this show i'm gonna read up a little bit on that see what else i can find out and then um yeah hit me up if you want to come back on we'll 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 be a little bit more we'll figure out because i was not prepared for this at all um we'll figure out some other stuff to talk about and i'm gonna want you to fill me in more about your cabin <laughs> hey um i don't know if you, you you'd be interested in uh, well maybe we should talk about that after you uh, are we still recording let me let me end it i'll end it in uh three two one stop <laughs> We are at the time of the show, the little segment I like to call Inward Survival's School of Magic. And this is where I give you little, I don't know, skills to practice to improve your life and things like that. This week, we're going to quickly run down Shaolin Iron Body Training. And this is from Shifu Yan Lei's site. And I think this is really important because a lot of people are interested in body conditioning and how to toughen your mind and body, and this is definitely one of the ways you can do that. So Shaolin Iron Body Training is what he calls the fire that we put our mind and body through so we can mold ourselves into the martial artist we want to be. Now, not everybody wants to be a martial artist. I get that. But there's a lot of people that would like to train under somebody to become a better person in mind, body, and soul. He really, really emphasizes this, and I think this carries carries through with everything that we do in life. He says, if it's not difficult, if it's not challenging, there can be no transformation. He says the Shaolin Temple has 36 internal techniques and 36 external techniques, making a total of 72 different styles. 
When we talk about internal, we're not meaning 100% internal, but a combination of internal and external with the focus more on the internal, the mind. Shaolin iron body training is only for those martial artists who dedicate their lives to the art. It's boring, it's lonely, it's tough mentally and physically. It teaches us the limits of our minds and body and how to go beyond them. It's potentially dangerous, and if we're not careful, we can easily get injured. He said he makes his iron shirt DVD with reluctance. He's been disturbed by misinformation he saw on the internet and encouraged by his faithful students who have been studying with his DVDs for many years, most of whom he'd never met. He decided it was time to share his knowledge of iron shirt, and he's been practicing it for nearly 30 years. But this article that I'm sharing with you now, he's focusing on iron leg. Iron leg needs to have flexibility, speed, power, and it also needs to be hard as well as soft. But how can a leg be soft and hard at the same time? Well, this is the paradox at the heart of every one of the Shaolin techniques. He said a few years ago he had his muscles tested as a part of an investigation by the Dana Center in the London Science Museum. Scientists wanted to find out why his muscles could withstand heavy blows. Using a biodynamics machine and comparing his performance with an Olympic rower, they found that his muscles had more or less the same strength as the rower. So it wasn't the strength of the muscles that was helping him withstand the blows. They found his reaction time to be incredibly quick, which isn't surprising as a martial artist's reaction time must be quicker than a rower. And then they used a different type of machinery that prodded into his stomach, and they found that when he contracted his muscles, they became not just hard, but bouncy, deflecting the power of the machine and sending it back. He says, this is the aim of iron body, and one of the keys as to why Shaolin masters can take such heavy blows. Our body acts as a mirror reflecting our opponent's power back to them. An iron shirt, an iron leg, it's not about muscle strength only, but the quality of the muscle and the use of the key. That's QI or chi, some people like to call it, but here we're going to refer to it as key. Iron leg means when you kick, your kick is incredibly powerful. It also means when someone kicks your leg, your leg is like a tree. Not only can you take the kick, but also the kick hurts your opponent and doesn't hurt you. And how do these Shaolin monks accomplish this? There are six elements of training. And this can be used in everything across all aspects of your life. And that's why I think this is really important to share. The first element is stamina. If you want to develop iron shirt, iron leg, you need excellent stamina. This means you must run a lot, do lower stances and lower kicks to build up your legs. This is what they call static stamina. You need to make your entire body flexible because when you kick, although you're you're using your leg, you kick with your whole body. And people believe that in order to make their legs strong, they need to kick a bag or bamboo, but that's just the internal part or the external part of the technique. The most important aspect of developing iron leg is that we make our bones strong, not just our skin, snoo, and muscle. In order to do this, we must be flexible. So that comes to our next element is flexibility. As well as going through regular stretching exercises, you want to use the five fundamental kicks. That means kicking at different levels, high, middle, low, practice shadow kicks over and over again to make your body and your leg work together. If your leg is hard but inflexible, that means you can't kick properly, which means if your leg is strong, but this isn't a good weapon because you don't know how to use it. If your leg is very fast but isn't strong, it means if you kick someone and their body is stronger, then your leg will be injured. Iron leg protects this from happening. So using different levels 
promoting flexibility within your own body. So first we've got stamina, now we, then we've got flexibility. Next is using a Shaolin body conditioning tincture. And I, I know of a couple of these to toughen up the hands and the feet, because this is something that I've been totally into most of my life. And he says with his conditioning tincture, he says the first thing when we do body conditioning is to warm up our body and then rub tincture into the parts of the body that we want to condition. So you use the tincture and rub it in hard so it really gets inside the skin. And it works in three ways. It protects the skin, reduces the risk of injury, and strengthens the bones. He has been asked many times about his body conditioning tincture and oil that some fighters use, like Muay Thai fighters. Their oil is not a tincture, but the main ingredient is camphor, which is a warming effect on the muscles, but it doesn't penetrate the bones or prevent injury. Another misconception is that Shaolin tincture is the same as Dit Da Jiao. That uses alcohol as the base for their medicine, as whereas we use very high, very high quality vinegar. And why do they use vinegar and not alcohol? Well, vinegar can take the varnish off a table. It strips the medicine of all its good things and preserves it. He also uses a secret blend of herbs, roots, and bark, which is individual and unique to each master. In the past, the monks used to lie in baths of these tinctures, tinctures, but today we apply this tincture to our body. After making this up, the disciples then adapt it slightly, and each disciple has its own recipe. He says his is made from 25 natural herbs, roots, and barks. Some of the herbs help the blood flow, some help to strengthen bones, others help muscles to relax. There are varying qualities of olive oil or wine. So he says he takes great care in finding the best quality herbs to brew his tincture. And it's secret, so if you want to learn more about that, you're going to have to find yourself a master to study under. Or do some research yourself and develop something that would be intuitively good for you. Next is the metal brush. After he has applied his tincture, he uses a metal brush. This brush uses weights of about uh, 1.6 kilograms and has 108 metal rods, rods. If it's used correctly, it will last a lifetime. He takes this thing with him everywhere. He says it's not suitable for anyone under the age of 18, pregnant women, old people, or health seekers. The Instant Health Bamboo Massage Brush is perfect for most people if they want to. And we have talked about dry brushing, but this is more of a, it's a metal brush. And he says along the alongside the metal brush, he also uses bags with beans inside or metal ball bearings. So this is pretty hardcore stuff. Next is CB Quan. This is an ex excellent form to do for the iron body. It's the form that wore away the concrete inside of the Shaolin Temple. The more you can use this with the stamp, the more powerful of the vibration will go inside the bone, which makes the bone strong and conditions the internal organs. This exercise can be adapted um, for somebody that's maybe not trying to study the Shaolin te techniques. Anything that will toughen um, impact exercises, anything that will make your bones stronger, that's including weight training. Qi Zhang is next. He says... When they practice their body conditioning, their legs get blue and swollen. Every disciple is given a specific a specific key gong to practice by their master. This is vital because it helps the internal organs work together. Afterwards, using a, a health massage brush, they beat their body, helping blood flow and the key to circulate. He says this, this type of training is no joke. It takes a lot of willpower. 
And some people believe that all you got to do is kick hard things to get an iron leg for about 10 years. He says that this will not happen, that this, this takes skill and proper master to be able to even lead and teach the student. A strong training plan is needed with faith and belief that this is even possible. He says only when you can kick someone with power and speed, you can have and take the kicks. Oh, he says only when you can kick someone with the power and speed and you can stand and take the kicks of others without using any self-defense, but your own key, have you come close to mastering this technique? This is incredibly fascinating to me. I think that it's got a lot of components that can help anybody master anything they want, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical. I've seen a couple influencers practicing um, developing their key to use, I don't know how they do it, but they could move things using this force that comes from their body after developing it. And it's, it's incredible. And I think that people don't realize how much power we have within ourselves if we just know how to tap into it and know how to nurture it and know how to develop it. He gives a disclaimer at the end of this article. It's linked below. Go check it out. Check out his website. He's got an Instagram page. He's a fascinating guy. He says this article is for information only and must not be used as a substitute for being taught by a qualified master. All of the Shaolin body conditioning techniques can damage a person's body and they cannot be learned from a book or a DVD and they must be approached with wisdom and caution. So go out there and find yourself a master. Our Stoic of the Week is Epictetus again. And I have one long quote for you this week, not a few different ones. So here we go. How long are you going to wait before you demand the best for yourself and in no instance bypass the discriminations of reason? You have been given the principles that you ought to endorse and you have endorsed them. What kind of teacher then are you still waiting for in order to refer yourself improvement to him? You are no longer a boy, but a full grown man. If you are careless and lazy now and keep putting things off and always deferring the day after which you will attend to yourself, you will not notice that you are making no progress, but you will live and die as someone quite ordinary. From now on, then, resolve to live as a grown-up who is making progress and make whatever you think best a law that you never set aside. And whenever you encounter anything that is difficult or pleasurable or highly or lowly regarded, Remember that the contest is now. You are at the Olympic Games. You cannot wait any longer. And that your progress is wrecked or preserved by a single day and a single event. That is how Socrates fulfilled himself by attending to nothing except reason in everything he encountered. And you, although you are not yet a Socrates, should live as someone who at least wants to be a Socrates. Epictetus from Manual 51. Have a great week. Thanks for joining me.